Hi, welcome to the Big Commerce Podcast. Hello, welcome to a brand new episode of the Big Commerce Podcast. I'm your co-host Luigi. I'm really excited to have this guest on the show today. Tom is a co-founder of gtse.co.uk and I've been wanting to get Tom on the podcast for some time so he can share some insights on his journey and the success of his e-commerce business. We cover the how and why Tom and his business partner set up the business, the importance of offering a high level of customer service, how GTSC manage products, product data and inventory, and how it continues to increase its search engine rankings and website conversion rate. I really hope you find value in the episode and enjoy it as much as I did recording. Hi, Tom. How are you? Hi, Luigi. I'm not too bad, thanks. Yourself? Not too bad, thank you. How's uh, How's Chesterfield today? Uh, uh, I thankfully don't live in Chesterfield anymore. Uh, it's a town that I grew up in um, and um, sort of uh, went to school, my business partner there. Um, but no, live in Leeds now. Our office is based in Manchester, so uh, in two, two, two of the biggest cities in the north. So, so I should have said, how's the north today? Yeah. But, uh, good. Well, um, so we've known each other for, for some time, but why don't you uh, introduce yourself to uh, to our listeners and uh, and then your business? Yeah, sure. So I'm Tom Armanante. I am the e-commerce director and co-founder at GTSE. Um, we are a, a trade supplies business um, that, that specialise in kind of consumable products um and kind of like cable ties tape drill bits uh, solder all sorts of more smaller things that businesses tend to kind of use repeatedly um to to kind of get jobs done um and and home users as well um we kind of we started out um quite a few years ago now back to 2014-15 as go cable ties so kind of quite quite a niche um, entry to the market as, as kind of a bit of a hobby between um, myself and a, and a friend that I went to school with and his parents. Um, and um, yeah, the business just kind of grew from there. Excellent. So um, how did you kind of identify to start off working with Cable Ties? What was it that kind of sparked that idea? So, yeah, it was, it was, well, it was not my idea. It was uh, my business partner's parents' idea. They, uh, they found them a useful product, really, and, uh, and thought that uh, they'd, they'd be a kind of a good thing to sell. There's lots and lots of applications for them. Um, and the, 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 the kind of, the, this, the niche uh, is a lot more sort of digitally savvy now. There's a lot better websites, but when we back when we started, it was uh, the competition was a bit behind the curve to say the least. Um, and and I, you know, I think to a certain extent, it's still for, for trade and B two B in general, it's still still not quite there yet. And and I think you know, big commerce more than anyone is doing a massive push to uh, to to try and take advantage of that. It works better with kind of the American pronunciation when they say kind of niches bring riches. And obviously kind of us as an agency, we specialize as well. But I can't, I can't kind of um, disagree with that, that you just choose something, you choose a vertical and just kind of go all in. And um, and it does kind of eventually, you know, bring, uh, bring riches. So kind of what are, the, what are the pros from your perspective of just focusing on a vertical? So yeah, I, I think there's this well, there's pros and cons to start with, I guess. Um, but um, the, the pros for us, we really kind of developed that kind of product um, product knowledge um, and, and expertise in the area. Um, my background is in digital marketing. So I know a lot of uh, people in the SEO world and, and e-commerce world. 
um, and my business partner's background was in finance. We didn't know that much about cable ties when we uh, when we started out, um, and it's yeah, not not the most complicated products in the world, but they do have their kind of niche requirements, um, and and just sort of learning and being that sort of specifically focused on a product area um, kind of gave us an advantage over over people that kind of. Uh, sort of sold a lot broader range um, at the time, um, and, and then a kind of similar thing with tape as well. We we really kind of drilled down on tape too. Um, we're a kind of huge seller of duct tape and electrical tape, and um, and and the sort of the the nuances in these product ranges um, are, are quite surprising sometimes. Um, and then it also kind of if you are more focused on one specific niche, it, it does let you. Um, sort of optimize from from a an seo point of view or a, you know a web usability point perspective a lot more um than than competitors can who are kind of targeting a lot broader array of products um and we we really took advantage of this and and, and things on our website like cable tie selector that's got drop down sizes and colors um and and just how we've sort of kind of laid the products out for someone who would be sort of browsing a huge range of cable ties and and there's there's the rebrand that you said you changed domain um some time back does was that part of the kind of expansion of the product catalog yeah and that, that's kind of on the the, the the negatives of being target targeting too much of a small niche um we we were kind of felt that from a branding perspective we'd kind of backed ourselves into a corner um and uh, you know we're having cable ties in the domain it's a uh, helpful from an old school seo perspective but um i I think from uh yeah from a more branding point of view it really kind of limited what we a customer's perspective of what we could do as a brand um and we you know we we searched high and low for a new a new brand name uh, a new domain um and i I think gtse really stood out for us as, as something that kind of rolled off the tongue um and 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 also it's it's a it's a good domain it's it's you know it's four letters as well which is it kind of kind of adds the usability of it um and, and it's easy for people to find so you started off uh, with cable ties and predominantly um well you also supplied a trade so the the trade market traditionally needs a lot more data to make an informed decision so I'm, I'm guessing kind of the way that you also manage the product data is a bit more complex than maybe a D2C brand that sells apparel or, or a beauty brand that sells maybe a supplement. So how what challenges have you faced? I'm presuming you've faced some challenges in terms of managing that product data because it can't be – because how many products have you got in your catalogue? So now we've got about 5,000 SKUs in total, um, products, um, parent products even, probably – probably about sort of two three thousand um we, we've got one of our issues and complexities and, and the reason that we ended up on big commerce when we migrated off our initial um platform which was magento was the complexity with those vari- variants um shopify at the time um just didn't lend itself to a, a product that had our black cable ties have like 65 plus variants and and it was really kind of made it overly complex to to use that platform and so big commerce's functionality and and kind of features really um uh really sort of helped us uh, sort of 
more easily accommodate the, the the sort of how we wanted to display the range um and because so it's a little more flexible in terms of how you can manage the product data yeah exactly and and because you know each each size um each size of cable tie is very different um so you know if you're looking at a hundred mil cable tie compared to a you know a meter long one then it's 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 you know it's going to be massively different in weight price how many can fit in a box um which are all kind of uh, important aspects we needed to store store on the e-commerce platform um i think in terms of managing that product data we uh, as a company haven't done anything too groundbreaking there's been a lot of excel used um and and lots of different spreadsheets we we kind of have big commerce now that uh, kind of stores you know all of the, the you know descriptions and, and and all the main bits of information and if we need any of that for anything else we can just export it from there and use it that way it's probably not the best way of doing it but i find you know pims are a very expensive piece of kit um and obviously have you know huge advantages but um i think just the, the way that we do it in terms of storing the, the majority of the core information in just various different spreadsheets kind of works in a fashion um and, and we we kind of utilize uh, OneDrive within the business um and so everyone can kind of edit spreadsheets live um which we, we find quite invaluable invaluable really yeah i think that collaborative element there because one of the the risks you run with kind of having excel spreadsheets being emailed mm. around this kind of like you know trying to manage the version control but having a centralized kind of tool that's online does that mean you've got a you know i guess a, a semi form of a you know pim within your excel spreadsheet um that's got the audit trail as well so if and if it works for you and you know again you've you know you've said that pims can be quite expensive and they do hold value and i think it's it's when you start having a broad range of products that maybe share different types of attributes uh where you know maybe you're managing digital assets as well maybe you're also multi-regional so you've got to have different languages and and so on that's i think where you can start seeing those complexities and where maybe a pim starts to come into its um you know into its own but i think you know what you're doing for the time being if it works for you and it's kind of refreshing us in some respects whilst we've had you know pin providers on on the podcast before you know kind of saying the dangers around excel spreadsheets that i think you've got that process kind of nailed and everyone knows what they what they need to do and how it works yeah and and, and that was localization was one uh one area where we really considered a pin because we uh we've got a pretty big presence on amazon as well and we have um we, we sell in sort of amazon de esit uh, etc so all most of the european markets um and, and managing the content on, while amazon translates it, some of it automatically to a certain degree we, we've we've kind of improved the content as we've gone along and yeah managing that has, has been uh, quite complex and uh, yeah ha- having a kind of a collaborative share version sort of version of excel has been really helpful for people to sort of jump in and out and, and kind of edit things together so you've got 5,000 SKUs, give or take. Um, I'm guessing inventory management can be a bit challenging as well. Yeah, um, and, it, and it's, it's just we hold a lot more of our core lines um, and, and, and we kind of, through um, trial and error and, and, and sort of consolidating the supply chain, we've kind of learnt that 
uh, what works and what doesn't really. Um, and uh, we, you know, our merchandising team does a, a sort of a fantastic job in, in making sure we've got enough stock of, um, of, the, of the right product, especially in Amazon as well. So the, we kind of fly through stock in Amazon um, and, we we do all of that through FBA, um, and and it's just about you know then making sure there's enough stock in each sort of uh, region of Amazon to, to to sort of mean that we don't sell out um, because you know if it's on our website we can manage it a little bit better by saying to the customer you know this is X date when we're getting new products in and um, and just manage expectations a lot better. If it's Amazon, you you know you'll start losing rankings pretty quickly if you um, if you don't have the stock of that product. And and kind of in terms of the Excel spreadsheet um, and, and the systems and so on, I'm presuming that over the years you've kind of developed them and iterated and, and put in some, um, whether they're formulas or processes to kind of make sure that you've got the data at, you know, at your fingertips whenever you need. So, you know, just talk us briefly through kind of what kind of information you manage within those Excel spreadsheets and, you know, what are maybe the things that you've you've done to, to make them work for your business? Yeah, so we've um, we have kind of uh, moved moved a little bit on from the Excel spreadsheets to a certain extent. Um, we uh, we we now have an ERP system um, called NetSuite, um, which is is pretty common in the in, in the industry. Um, it's one of the big names. Um, and and that does a sort of a, a much better job of of kind of handling stock in multiple locations as well, um, and gives us gives us that traceability uh, and, and visibility that we need. So it's not quite PIM, uh, well, it's a, you know kind of a different job, um, but it but it kind of helps us, especially in in terms of a kind of finance side. So we originally bought it in because we were just outgrowing zero that we were using before from a finance perspective, um, and you know when you've got items the same item all over the all over the world that we bought at different times you know you, you need to have a kind of a blended cost price or a piece of software that'll hold that information um and so so for for that finance as as much as for the stock management um it was it was kind of a, a smart move for us um we, we probably could have lasted a bit longer but i think going through that initial pain of, uh, of onboarding to a massive piece of kit like that was was kind of worth it now now all the dust has uh, settled. Short-term pain for long-term gain. Yes, very much so. And there was lots of pain. <laughs> um, so you've, you know, I've obviously built, carved yourself a niche, um, got a name in, in the market for what you do. You've been successful over the years. So let's talk a bit about marketing. Um, and you've obviously got your uh, history from a digital marketing perspective. Um, you supply different segments, trade, B2C, um, and marketing is all about segmentation. You have to tailor the message to, to the customer. So what kind of strategies um, have you implemented or what kind of things have you done to try and um, tailor your message to your different customer segments? It's a really good question. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's a massive thing for us because our website, you know, we prefer the B2B customers um, because they kind of stay with us for a, a long period of time and they, um, they, they, they tend to do bigger orders because of the bigger jobs that they're, they're working on. Um, the, the issue is there's no real way, especially with AdWords, which is our, you know, our biggest kind of advertising spend, as it is, I imagine, with everybody 
or most people um there's no real way to differentiate if you're you know you're kind of bidding on that keyword level if one person searches for cable ties and he's looking for a cable tie a pack of cable ties versus the next person who's looking for a, a box or even a pallet um and so yeah we had to be sort of quite smart about looking at you know the lifetime value of these customers and um and 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 kind of uh, what we need to do to kind of bring in the the, the bigger customers that that will um, that will fill those b2b gaps um and then then once we've got that data in um it's yeah just keeping sort of keeping in contact with those customers and and kind of keeping a um a communication strategy with them via email marketing or via our you know sales team um that, that is suitable for each different type of customer really um and you know some of the bigger trade customers uh, they, they you know they require a lot more comms with different members of their team than um some of the the middle-sized customers you know yeah yeah um tradesmen who just want a box of tape or a box of cable ties every so often where you know an, an email to them from sort of our email marketing platform will, will kind of be enough to yeah be enough to do the job so do you have any e- email kind of automations in place in your which email marketing systems do you use uh clavio and have you got that set up with kind of automations and flows yeah so that- we've uh, got all, all the fancy uh fancy mod cons and features in it um uh, yeah and i think it's fantastic and the, the ease of it as well is is just just you know phenomenal like um to to be able to kind of target a customer segment and and, and sort of you know these customers or this product um contact them again in x months time to see if they need need need, to, need it to be topped up or something like that we do a lot of that um uh, because you know the the nature of our products is, is they they're usually things that people will need again um when they're kind of when they've used them up the first time and and kind of you've spoken about kind of communication strategy and i think also your level of service clearly very high as well so how does that fall into i guess the marketing so how much emphasis do you place on on the level of service um you know does it do you i guess discriminates the wrong word but you know between uh, different types of customers no, not at all. Um, I, I, I think you know the the smaller customers are as, as valuable as the bigger customers. They they, they kind of, and, and actually the other thing we found as well is a lot of big companies will go and, and do a small order just to test the products. And so you know if you're not being sort of as courteous and, and as as good with every customer, you might end up sort of annoying a bigger fish that you you, you kind of didn't realize was was a big customer in the first place um and and i think you know we we kind of need every every customer we we try and get as many people to convert on the website as as all e-commerce businesses do i'd imagine um to as possible so i think just that consistent level of customer service is a huge thing for us and you know that can be seen across our our reviews as well like we use reviews.io and and the um a solid 4.9 out of 5 sort of thing and uh, we're you know we're very keen about you know making sure that we um, maintain that level of service um, especially as we grow and scale as well um we've not yet brought a um a kind of ticketing system on board but we're looking at um is it gorgeous or um yeah, and gorgeous, that, yeah. That, yeah that that seemed like a really good piece of kit and they have a integration into big commerce now as well which is which is very handy and clavio and clavio yeah different systems yeah 
Um, kind of no big secret. I'm a massive fan of of Gorgeous, and I think you know the fact that they're built for e-commerce as well helps. Mm. They're not like a ticket, like a generic ticketing system that you know they've just got everything set up for different channels. Oh, I was. I mean, obviously, you, you've done a demo, but I just think it's a phenomenal product. Yeah, I was industry. incredibly impressed when I, when I had it demoed to me recently. I, I think the fact that you could uh, even to the extent that when a customer rings up, it could bring up their all their recent orders. Um, in yep. the side panel of the of the platform, and and you could just click a button to reorder their last order, um, and it integrates straight into Big Commerce. Like that, that functionality isn't isn't in Big Commerce, so it's. Uh, it, it, I was yeah, just very impressed. Um, so you spoke about kind of conversion um, rates because, and obviously that the everyone's working towards trying to increase the uh, conversion rate. So, what other strategies do you? utilize to try and make sure that you're constantly increasing that or at least maintaining your your conversion rate um so we we do a lot of testing um and and sort of making sure that we um we're we're you know traveling the user journey of the website ourselves um and 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 kind of try to pick up everything that a customer would find as a frustration um and then on top of that, we use um, we use Microsoft Clarity, uh, which is kind of like your hot jar sort of thing, um, and rec- which records the sessions, and then we can see the you know the direct frustrations that the customers have had themselves, um, and 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 then then that really helps us to, to kind of narrow down onto specific um, sort of uh, obstacles, yeah, obstacles and, and issues with the sites that need. Um, that, that need addressing. Um, I think the other thing as well is like internal meetings uh, within, even within the business, and just you know people that are not kind of directly um, directly associated with uh, the website and the usability of it, and saying you know what do you think of the website when you when you sort of uh, navigate it. Um, there was someone from our finance team i think the other day said you know they, they had a look on the mobile site and they found it really hard to find the phone number um and and kind of um we are we already have a kind of project in place to redo our whole um mega nav and and have on the mobile version when you click on the, the menu the mobile number will be at the bottom there um and yeah i think yeah you you, you kind of everyone kind of looks at it a slightly different way so kind of the more opinions you can get the better is is usually a good thing yeah i mean nothing wrong with kind of getting the feedback because obviously some things you can kind of say well I, you know we disagree maybe it's just yeah. for that individual you know for that individual person in frustration but just going back to your point about not every clarity, idea is a good one <laughs> yeah always you know where's the value in that I mean, yeah. it could be that uh, you know that that individual's maybe had a bad experience somewhere else and um and, and obviously they're, they're they're using that as a reference point but with microsoft clarity i i think it's still an underutilized tool mm-hmm. i mean i you know i get it implemented on on merchant sites when uh, when when we're speaking to them especially you know even before we start redesigning because the amount of merchants i've spoken to that just have the website in a way, because that's the way that they think the customer journey is, and that's the thing that they feel or they believe that the customer should be, do, you know, should be navigating and so on. And it's not till you get systems like Hotjar or Clarity in place that you actually say, "Well, look, the data's saying something completely different." You know, the data is saying that people are not clicking there, or maybe you know they're using search a lot more than you think. And um, we see that quite often, actually, in, in a lot of websites that we now launch. 
um, have like an enhanced search solution because mm. you know we're, we're becoming a lot more impatient. We mm. want to be able to find the product we want, and that may be a you know a a, a side effect, a, you know, semi Amazon effect, I guess, where it's kind of like you just do everything through the search, and we're just now conditioned to just go straight into the search rather than navigate. Yeah, definitely, and then we've been found with our site as well that people who use the search are so much more bought into the user journey um mm. and so much more bought into the brand as well and and like you know they they kind of the, the the presumption is they must feel like they've already exerted some effort so they're they're more likely to kind of follow through to the end unless you really piss them off somewhere um we, we tend to see a, a crazily high conversion on with people of um that have used the site search and then you know we're, we're kind of taking that into account with the designs as well so our, on our mobile site at the moment um uh, on the the header there's just a magnifying glass for the site search and we were talking so we use Clavu for, for site search uh, kind of another big name within the industry um and and then they they said you know well why don't you have a kind of a just a, a search bar at the top so people can see that, that that's you know that that's where to search straight away um and and yeah it's a bit of a no-brainer and so that's something we're implementing as well yeah and obviously they'll be well placed to kind of give that advice because they'll have seen that with different types of merchants as well and i think that's one of the benefits of working kind of with these you know experts so you know gorgeous for kind of customer service and uh, clavio for email marketing and obviously now they're, they're moving into kind of customer data platform um, and so on so that data could potentially also feed systems like Clevu based on uh, you know what they've ordered and so on um, and gorgeous for uh, customer service and, um, and ticketing systems um, and so, so what just touching on customer service and you know customer requests and so on um, today without system like gorgeous what do you use is it just traditional email yeah um, so yeah just a, a very um yeah, it seems to come across as a very heavy reliance on Microsoft Office as a company. But, um, yeah, we, we just have a shared inbox, a shared sales inbox that, that we are, we're, you know, we're very good at, um, at kind of uh, flagging emails and, and tagging who's responsible for them um, and, and just really sort of managing that inbox efficiently. Um, and I guess, you know, all these tools, that's kind of what they do just on a, on a much more complicated level. It's just all about kind of managing that uh, managing that inbox really um and uh, yeah and just a, a very good and on it customer service team as well which uh, a, a lad called josh runs up and he's a very good job I, I think that's the secret to kind of customer service because you're you've got an opportunity there to potentially either make a you know have kind of a uh, a promoter so a customer that's just so happy with the way that you've responded and you know we're going to tell everyone or completely detract to saying you know this is i'm not going to buy from you ever again yeah um, and, and and i think speed is a really really important factor in that as well uh, and and like you know even if we've had an, an email that's not been replied to in in the sales inbox for too long like myself and other senior members of the business will jump on it and, and reply back to the customer because it's a real yes maybe not the best use of our time but it's, it's a real um a winning factor to, to a customer if they're you know they're, they're they're applied too quickly and if it you know turns out to be a big quote um from a from a trade customer and we've replied in an hour whereas one of our competitors have replied in a couple of days, then 
that you know the, the business is going to go to us of course yeah um what um as you grow your business what are the kpis or the metrics that you're using to monitor your progress i guess and and kind of your achievements and to, to understand i guess how, you know what your journey is looking like on the way to, to to the success that you've you know achieved so far um i i guess as a um and as, as a kind of the the e-commerce um or the website more than the amazon side of the business you know we, we're using a lot of um sort of tried and tested uh kpis um that that kind of throughout my various other roles in e-commerce businesses that have kind of always been in kind of core to reporting you know such as your cost per acquisition for your for paid paid customers looking at the conversion rate make sure nothing's dropping in there um average order value um just things like that to make sure um that customers are you know interacting with the site and converting and and spending as as kind of uh, as much as possible really when when they're when they're looking through the site because i i think with the the average order value is, is a huge one as well because if you know you're paying so much to get these customers on the site in the first place you, they need to be able to find all of the products that are suitable for them in in that journey as easy as possible um, especially as our our catalog grows grows larger and larger um, we, we need to kind of um, make it more apparent to the customers that, that, that we've got this, these products on the website um, another kind of, kind of thing we're working on from a development perspective is is having that sort of really pulled out on the pro- on the pdps underneath the add to add to basket button here are the other products that are you know suitable for um suitable for what you purchase with um frequently bought together yeah and, and, and you know it's not it's not reinventing the wheel either really it's it's just kind of making sure that best practice is is kind of um adhered to throughout the website and, and it really kind of pushes those key core metrics um and then another one for me is uh, organic um visibility uh with my seo background I'm, SEO, yeah. I've, uh, yes uh, it's something i've kept a keen eye on um uh, we use um Cistrix, um to, to monitor that um and and then the kind of our our organic visibility is increasing at a, a very nice uh, steady level and we're, we're kind of competing with some of the the big boys out there like your B&Qs of the world and, and, and screw fixers now, uh, which is great to see. Um, I think the other day we were ranking eighth for duct tape, which was fantastic. Oh, brilliant. I mean, if, if you're on the first page, I think, you know, that's half the, half the battle because no one's really going to go and very unlikely to look on pages two, two onwards. So. No, that's um, uh, an old SEO joke. Of where, where's the best place to hide a body on the second page of Google? <laughs> <laughs> well it's true because i mean you know i mean on mobile i think it's, it's slightly different because it's it's like an infinite page um you don't kind of technically go onto the the second page and so on um but certainly for desktop um absolutely so so cpa cost uh, per acquisition um the conversion rate the average order value just on those three i'm presuming you like everybody else has seen the cpa gone up over the last yes um although having said that we're having um uh, we're having a lot of success with Performance Max, um, and, and I'm kind of enjoying exploring that because um, I think it seems to be we, we 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 tested it when it first was released quite a while ago now, and and it didn't really do great things. But then more recently, we, we've we've started applying more budget into that, um, 
and it started working a lot better for us. Um, and then, and so that that's bringing the the cost per acquisition down a little bit. Um, you know, it's, it's one of these great uses of AI um, and, and and sort of all the, all the kind of machine learning and technology that goes behind it. Yes, it's a little bit more of a black box than uh, than a lot of us would like, but um, but but you know we've seen some good uh, um, sort of good results from the back of it. So I was actually going to ask you, kind of, if you'd implemented any strategies or any technologies to try and manage the the increase in the cost per acquisition, um, and so Performance Max will will link to it in uh, in the show notes. Um, and what about kind of average order value, kind of except for maybe saying you know, frequently bought together, um, or you know this the, these products are suitable for you know for the product you're buying. What uh, are you implementing? Any other strategies to try and increase that? Do you? I mean, obviously, I'm presuming you do. You run things like email marketing campaigns that maybe to push the average order value up but is there something that you're doing aside from that yeah i, I yeah i guess um yeah through email marketing we kind of uh, try and communicate um new lines to to our existing customers um you know if you bought cable ties um take a look at our kind of assorted boxes of different sort of nuts and bolts and fixture and fastenings and all that sort of thing um a lot of our a lot of our customers that use one range will will kind of shop the other ranges, um, and so it's it's a huge part of that is kind of making sure it's it's really easy to navigate on the site. Um, good internal linking, um, great for SEO as well, but also good for, for helping uh, sort of making more of a seamless customer journey um, and 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 sort of helping customers think you know wasn't necessarily shopping for that but i do need some of those and if i'm buying x product then you know why not buy the other products as well because i guess one of the um things that can confuse merchants at the moment is you know with with the inflation that we've seen over the past 12 18 months is the average order value maybe has gone up anyway because prices have gone up so you know do you want to any other thing like you know the average items in the basket um, kind of how granular, I guess, do you go on on that particular KPI? Um, on that one, um, it can be quite misleading for us because um, we 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 are sort of our average price of item differs massively. So you know, some of the largest stainless steel cable ties you're looking at about a hundred pound a pack. Um, probably not quite that but quite an expensive sort of mine pack and then your your, your smaller cable ties are, are sort of 20 pence a pack um and so you can have loads of them in a basket and still and still kind of not not really touch the surface compared to some of the other products um and so yeah i, I think for us it's looking at that kind of monetary value of, of kind of the average overall um and, and just trying to optimize to that and and try and try and grow it um I, I think the other the other thing for us is, is splitting um, e-commerce customers from trade customers as well, and looking at how they interact with the site, um, and, and, and kind of uh, making sure that um, we we kind of tar- we cater for both markets, which can't be used, obviously. Um, like, you know, as we said, it's um, it's it's tailoring for for in essence two different types of customers that have two different types of needs potentially. Yeah, definitely, and and I think that's why we we kind of settled on big commerce again, um, as as well as the um, as well as the variance piece, um, the 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 B two B 
functionality out of e-commerce just makes things a lot easier to have a site that targets both b2c and b2b quite naturally um the the tiered pricing is, is a kind of key thing for us to do that um and and, and that that's really helpful so you know we've got it broken down on the product page you know you're buying a pack of cable ties you get this price 10 packs you get this price and then a box you get this price um, and then if you want to buy a pallet straight off the website, uh, which never happens, um, then then you've, you've got this price. Um, and, and, and it, you know, really spill it, spelling it out to the customer, this is how much you'll save by doing doing this is, is really helpful. Um, and then, then, you know, other functionality, like it's really simple to have um, different payment methods on the checkout for um for different types of customers so all of our trade customers they can order off the website um just using po's um if they've got a customer account with us to do that we use a 20 dollar a month plugin um and and just um is it a bezier uh, is not no um i didn't have it open um and, but that's you know i know big commerce pushing the the, the b2b um edition um and and then that you know has many wonderful features. Uh, it was a bit too much for us, um, and so we kind of moved away from that. Um, and and we use this uh, plugin that's literally called Payment Groups, um, uh, and and it lets you set a customer group um, of, to different payment methods. Um, and mm-hmm. so we for our trade customers, customer group, they they have the PO payment method, which means they can check out without paying essentially, and uh, and it creates a, a you know a purchase order reference. In, in the old days, I remember um, we did that for a merchant is about 10 years ago, or maybe slightly less, but then it wasn't recent, based on JavaScript. So it was understanding the customer group ID and then just, you know, you're going to hide payment method to if that was like, you know, credit card or, or for example, an offline payment if, if you weren't a... Um, a uh, a trade customer for for some merchants and i think it is you know i would agree with you that the b2b edition is really you know a, an asset to companies that serve b2b not just for the payment methods um but yeah obviously it comes with uh, with an additional cost and you have to make sure you know are you going to be using the functionality you're paying for especially as you know like we've just said the cost per acquisition has gone up and um you know it's becoming more expensive to so run, most uh, of the costs are, websites. yeah yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, as you said, you've, you've plugged in with the likes of Cleaver as well um, and Performance Match, which all have, a, you know, a, a price tag attached to them. They should be ROI positive, but it's becoming, you know, expensive to run to run the stack, um, to run the website. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, people don't always expect to pay a higher price as well off the back of it. So uh, I think, you know, you've got pressures of, of, of price competition and, and then, rising costs of, of everywhere else and uh, it really kind of squeezes the margin so trying to find cost effective ways of looking at it uh, kind of you know do you really need that and is there something that can do it what you need a better way is really helpful sometimes um tom it's been really um, i've been really excited to have you on the podcast because one thing that i really like about your business is you started off as like we said at the beginning a really niche player and you've you achieved success and growth with that and then you've expanded your um you know your catalog and i think you're you're a really good case study for, for merchants that maybe you know kind of a, a face in the challenges that you had at the beginning 
and just wanted to you know kind of see the the growth that um that uh, that you have if if anyone wants to kind of get in touch with you to maybe pick a brain or just discuss you know how can they uh, how can they reach out yeah um drop me a message on linkedin um or even drop me an email my email is just tom at gtsc.co.uk Excellent. And we ask all our um, our guests if they've uh, read a book recently or listened to a book or, or what podcast they're listening to. Um, uh, podcast, I'm going to plug another e-commerce podcast. Um, I'm a big fan of um, the replatforming podcast, um, which is uh, Paul Rogers and James Good. Um, they've been doing it for quite a while now. and uh, I, would, I would second that. They uh, Yeah, they, they've had some great guests on there throughout the years and, um, and some really interesting stuff. Um, and another thing that I'm I'll plug while I'm here is um, I also have uh, run a, a big commerce Slack community as well, which is uh, just sort of people who run big commerce websites, um, just talking about big commerce really um, uh, and things they can do with it. Um, um, and so, yeah, if you're interested in uh, joining that, please drop me an email. Yeah, well, we'll put the link to that as well um, in uh, in the show notes. And yeah, I mean, if I, I think. I don't know where you've been in e-commerce if you haven't heard of the Replatform podcast. Yeah, but again, in case you haven't, um, or you don't know Paul and um, and James, then um, then again, we'll link to that uh, that podcast. But uh, Tom, thank you very much for your time. I, I know you're extremely busy, um, but I think there's been a lot of value, and, and thank you very much for sharing your uh, your story. And uh, hopefully, I have you back on one day. No, thank you for having me. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the BigCommerce podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform and make sure you're following us on social media, on Instagram and on LinkedIn. If you've got ideas or suggestions for future episodes, please send us an email, info at thebigcommercepodcast.com or on our social media platforms.